So welcome everyone today to Baby Magic. We are talking about a um, very mysterious, uh, usually magic, you know, you get a good feeling about it, like it was so magical. Today we're going to talk about something that it doesn't feel so good. Uh, it's still magical and it's still very mysterious. Um, it's We're going to talk about what happens when a baby doesn't make it, when either the baby doesn't make it to term and isn't born alive or when uh, the baby dies in the womb and is born early or when um, a mom actually decides to to have an abortion uh, because of her own reasons. All of these things are tied up into what we're going to talk about today. And today I'm going to be um, chatting with someone who has very, very generously um, decided to share her story about early baby loss. So, hi, I'd just love you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Hello, everyone. My name is Laura. I'm a stay-at-home mom of... Uh, three children that are with me and one that is not and uh i'm a stay-at-home mom homeschool mom and uh, pretty much mom being a mom is my life <laughs> so i know that you were expecting your fourth child um in august which is coming up soon where did uh where did you give birth to your other three children uh the other three were born in the hospital um, I was on waiting list to be with a midwife for my third child, and I just never got a call back. So she was born in the hospital as well. And your births were reasonably straightforward, even though kind of hospital based or? Uh, they, I mean, my children were very easy births. Um, there were some interventions that I, uh, wasn't completely comfortable with, but overall they, I mean, they, they went well. So what were your birth dreams for this child? For this child, I was looking for uh, either, you know, to be followed by a midwife or uh, more along the lines of a wild pregnancy to, you know, take my power back and, uh, just basically do it all by intuition and have a home birth. Home birth was basically, you know, what I had my heart set on to be able to uh, birth at home and be, have that, that calm and that peaceful environment without, you know, being picked and probed at uh, for the, the time that you're in the hospital and not being fed when you're hungry. And it just felt right to, um, uh, have an unassisted birth at home. So how did his birth unfold in the end? Um, I ended up miscarrying at 16 weeks. Um, it happened at home. So I did get the home birth aspect that I was uh, hoping for, just not in the context that I had imagined. And so... Um, I, I lost him at home. It happened at home and it was unassisted as well. I've been thinking a lot about that word miscarriage and I chose not to use it in this uh, in this podcast episode because I think that a lot of the um, 
it's almost like a blamey kind of word, like miscarriage, like you didn't carry properly or mis misbehaving, miscarriage, you know. I'd like you to talk a little bit about how that affects you, how you tell your story out in the world, how what are what are people saying, how how does how does that unfold in, you know, the maybe groups of mums that you that you speak with or just generally in your in your community? Well, uh, I mean, I guess depending, a lot of people don't know how to react to, you know, our story. And I think just any, any child law story, a lot of people just don't know how to react to it. But um, when you talk about blame and things like that, a lot of people didn't, only the people who were close to me knew about our plans to home birth and have an unassisted birth. Um, But there were... uh, some comments that were pretty hurtful saying, well, maybe it's because you're plant-based or, um, you know, comments like that, that were extremely, uh, extremely hurtful in the sense that it was just, I find heartless to, you know, come out and blame, like you said, uh, something that I did wrong that, you know, made it so that my child didn't make it. Um, a lot of the other comments we get as well is, uh, oh, it's, it's very sad, but okay, next, you know, you're, you're young, you can have other ones as if, uh, you know, he was like, we're mourning the loss of our, of our son. Um, and, you know, to be told to jump so quickly and oh, it's okay, you can have another one, but we we're mourning the loss of this one, you know? So I guess, it's it's been all over the place with the different comments that we've gotten and that's probably been the most difficult part of the process is um comments from other people it's so weird because i know when anyone's dog or cat dies i'm sorry to be so callous but honestly when I, when a dog or cat dies everyone's all like oh well you should really wait you know don't get another one right away like and then someone loses a baby and they're like, oh, well, you can get pregnant again. You know, don't worry, you can get, have another one. It's it's so odd the way our culture can't deal with death and grieving, especially in the in these circumstances where, like, I'm torn up inside. Honestly, like, I I, I am torn up inside about your story, you know, and, and I'm sure, obviously, you are way more torn up inside, but it seems like our culture as a whole cannot deal with loss and doesn't know how to approach people that have had a loss. How have you, you and your family and your other children, children dealt with this? So it was, it was something that we placed a lot of importance, uh, importance on. Um, We were, it was something that was uh, the pregnancy, the home birth, all of that was, everybody was, uh, it was a a family thing, you know, so the kids were involved and everything. And after, uh, after we lost the baby, we made sure, I mean, my kids were not here when it happened. And so we, we made sure to show the kids, um, our little boy and, you know, explain to them that their little brother didn't make it. Um, and we did, you know, a, uh, like a family goodbye where we, we all said goodbye to him. We also, uh, we had him cremated, which was something that we did as a family. We went to the funeral home uh, all together 
and picked out a little urn all together as a family. And so um, we also, my husband and I place a lot of importance on answering any questions the kids had, uh, explaining it to them, you know, age appropriate for, uh, for each of the boys. And my daughter is still two, so she doesn't understand too much, but we still uh, explained it to her the best we could. And uh, we continue to answer their questions and just, you know, spend time to talk about what happened, talk about the emotions, uh, acknowledge their emotions, you know, what they were feeling. And uh, all in all, I think it's brought us closer and made us, um, given us a stronger, deeper bond as a family. So how do you think we can change mother's experiences of early baby loss? Um, one thing that I, I did notice uh, is that people's focus was all on the physical. So it was, uh, you know, are you okay? Have you gotten checked by a doctor? Have you gotten blood tests? Have you, it was all focused on the physical and truthfully, that's not where I took the hit. I, I was completely fine physically, but emotionally, that's that was an extreme, you know, there was an extreme hit emotionally. And I think that we need to focus more on being there emotionally for mothers who go through losing a child. It's the most devastating and heartbreaking experience ever and they need as much emotional support even if it's just listening to them um sharing their story or sharing their emotions asking them you know how they're feeling that it's emotional support i think that that would really um that would really be a game changer because i think that's that's what we lack the most well we lack it in the most intense parts of our lives and we also lack it in Pretty much any part of our lives that isn't that can't be like put like kind of anesthetized. Like when one reason why I stopped going to births in the hospital was I didn't want to hear someone telling a laboring woman to you know stop making noise or um, you know want to kind of act as her primal self would act. And I think you know loss, birth, all of these really primal events or events that we as a society can't deal with. We can't deal with those big emotions. We don't know how to, we don't know how to act with pain or just take a pill or, you know, the birth of a child, we try and like temper it and, and make it sterile. So, so I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. The emotional spiritual side of, of, of life pretty much is something lacking. Yes, definitely. How has your baby's birth um, affected your feelings and and your opinions about how and where you would want to give birth if you chose if you did choose in the future to have another child? Um, I mean, in, in the beginning, it was kind of all over the place. I, I wasn't sure of my decision because I, I guess, like you said, I was blaming myself. Um, but I, I have lost a lot of, a lot of faith in, you know, the way that the medical system is going right now. 
um, I, I had decided to, you know, see a doctor. And after not being able to get an appointment with one, I went to a private clinic where they told me they would be able to check everything. And they sent me back saying, oh, it looks like you got a bladder infection and uh, we don't check the baby. So um, I still have the dream to home birth. Um, I would, my dream is to be able to birth a baby without having um, any, any, drugs to accelerate the process like Pitocin or having, you know, without an IV, basically yeah. uh, doing it as natural as possible, because it's something that I have not gotten to experience up to now, uh, except with Silvano, you know, because I was at home when I miscarried and I'm very happy that I was at home. It was the best place I could have been. Um, yes, it was traumatic, but uh I assessed the situation and it was done, you know, in a way that I was able to, it, it was done the less, least traumatic possible. So for future, future plans, I would love to be able to birth a baby um, without an IV in my arm. <laughs> and why shouldn't you, honestly, why shouldn't you be able to give birth to a baby, baby without an IV? I mean, of course, you know, sometimes you need to have an IV in your arm while you're birthing. Very rarely, you know, complications happen. But why on earth shouldn't you, why should you have to, you know, run to the ends of the earth to be able to give birth without an IV in your arm? It's ridiculous. So I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and like you said, there are situations where it is necessary. Um, however, I have with my three births in the hospital, there were no complications. Um, you know, the, the birthing process was happening. The labor was progressing on its own. And I guess it was just taking too long for, you know, their liking. And so all three times I was put on Pitocin, um, which, you know, makes it extremely more painful. Um, my second was... I got to the hospital and I was seven centimeters dilated and they still put me on the Pitocin. So it's something that I, I've, you know, figured out that it's, this makes the birthing process a lot more painful than it has to be. Um, again, there are situations where it could be helpful. Um, however, in my case, both myself and my babies were healthy and everything was going fine. And so I think that it was unnecessary. I love the name Silvano. I have to tell you, whenever I, whenever I hear that name, I think of uh, the, 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 the name itself means a, a, like a forest or woods or trees. And I just, I just feel like I'm in a forest when I hear that name. So I imagine that that, uh, that informed your choice of names. Uh, yeah, well, I love names with meanings. Um, and uh, it was supposed to be my husband to choose the name. And he had come up with a couple that we were on the fence about. And uh, that one, I, one night I was just online and I was looking up ancient names <laughs> yeah. and came across a name that I don't even remember what it was. And it, just came to me and I said what about Silvano and when I looked up the meaning it said man of the forest yeah and I we both just fell in love with it and it's you know it's such a beautiful name so uh, there is a part of me that 
uh, has that sadness that I, I won't be able to, um, call his name and, you know, as he's growing and, but I do realize that everything happens for a reason. And so, uh, we, uh, we're very happy that we chose that name for him. It was the perfect name for him. And the, the, the thing about wild pregnancy and, and, um, unassisted birth and living a life of that you've, that you've, that you own a sovereign life. The thing about that is, is that, you know, life does go into pathways that you maybe didn't want or expect, obviously. So you had a wild pregnancy and it went to a place where you totally weren't expecting. No, no one around you was expecting it either. And, and it, and it's, it's heartbreaking, but I think that name has something to do with it. Just the wildness of life and the grace where, where you can accept what happens and, and, and not celebrate, but, but value, value it. I, I look at your, you and your family with so much respect, just the way that you Thank took you. that experience and just like made it whole and made it valuable. It's, it's quite something. Thank you. I, I did my, my absolute best, you know, with, with my intuition and uh, not many people understand, but I, it was an empowering experience because something about this pregnancy that just so strong in me was like, you know, calling to do it in a different way. Um, in a way that, you know, resonated with me uh, on on all levels. You know, there's been, uh, like I said, I had good experiences um, with my birth. However, there were, you know, things like the IV or not being fed, um, not being fed enough at the hospital, being picked and probed at. And it was just, um, and, you know, even the loss of Silvano, was something that was empowering because it was all done intuitively. My, you know, I, I might've panicked in the moment, but something, you know, my intuition kicked in and it's like with instinct, I knew exactly what to do uh, and, and how it needed to be done. And uh, my husband tells me he doesn't understand how I was, how I assessed the situation because I was the patient and the doctor at the same time you know, telling him, okay, you need to do this, this, you know, you need to, then he was the one panicking and he's like, you were so calm and you, you just knew what to do. Um, so it's, it's definitely been an empowering, um, an empowering experience. It was very sad and it's still very sad. I'm still very heartbroken. Um, but it empowered me in ways that I never thought possible. So what advice would you give someone who is experiencing um, the types of symptoms of early baby loss that, uh, that you experienced? What would you say to her if she came to you? Um, I would say to, to listen, listen to your body. That's the most important. Um, I know that the, the, the mom heart has, has a way of, of playing with us a little bit, you know, to, I, for myself, I was in denial a little bit of what was going on. Um, and just to trust your intuition. That's the most important is like to listen to your body and 
trust your intuition because it, it'll always guide you where you need to be. Um, the day I lost Silvano, um, the day of, I had gone to the hospital and my husband was told he was not allowed to stay with me. And something so strong in me was, did not, I said, I'm not staying alone. I just didn't want to stay alone. And so it's like at that moment, I was given that choice um, to, of you know, I was, that's basically what the nurse told me. You, okay, that's fine. That's, that's your choice, madame. And I got up and I walked out. And for me personally, in the way that it happened, it was the, in the best way. Um, maybe for other moms, they would have felt more insecurity to stay at the hospital. So that's why I'm saying to like to trust your your intuition and follow your instinct about, you know, what you feel is best for you. That's that. so important. It's just so important in the whole kind of natural birth movement. You know, I I hate to think of people out there who are being bullied by the natural birth people because like I I see people bullied by the by the um maternity system and I and I and I have to say that I also see people bullied by the natural um, maternity system and and no one should have to do something that they don't feel is right so if you want to go home go home if you want to stay at the hospital stay at the hospital but Laura you're absolutely right just you have to listen to what you need what your intuition what your body's telling you what your soul is telling you mm -hmm. no definitely that's I mean that's the best advice I can give I know that not everyone is able to um, assess the situation, you know, the, of, of what I went through. Um, I mean, it was, I was completely on my own and, uh, my, my husband was actually waiting for me in the car. I had no phone with me. I had nothing. And so, um, I realized that not everyone is able to assess this situation, which is why I'm saying the most important advice is to, um, is to trust yourself and do what feels best for you. So if, you know, you experience um, symptoms of, you know, early child loss and it feels right, you know, to see a healthcare provider, then go with that. And if it doesn't, then, you know, um, but I, at the end, at the end of the day, I think that our body lets us know what's going on. Um, our body speaks to us, constantly and so I was able to assess my situation I did check my vital signs uh, afterwards I checked for hemorrhaging and, and things like that but if I would have felt that I needed to go to a hospital or be at the you know to to be checked because something was wrong uh, then I mean I would have gone but um, like I said there's no there's no right or wrong here but as long as, as long as, you know, the, the mom feels respected and she feels like she's where she needs to be, then that's what's the most important. Absolutely. So I always ask my, my people to, to give one word for our listeners. What word would you choose? 
uh, of the overall experience, you mean, or? Just something for them to take away with them, a word that they can take away today and or when they listen to this uh, episode and and something for them to think about. Intuition. Thank you. That's perfect. So I, I know, um, listeners, that I'm sure you understand that this is not a, a, a medical advice show. So we've listened to one story about one experience. But I want to let you know that um, in the case of the first trimester of pregnancy before about 12 to 13 weeks, early miscarriage, unfortunately, or spontaneous abortion or baby loss is very common. It can sometimes be prevented with bed rest and treatments, and uh, you can look into those yourself. I'm not going to suggest anything to you on the show. After the first trimester, that is around the time that Laura uh, lost her little one, um, it's much more uncommon to lose a baby. And before about 20 weeks, if the baby's born, it will not survive. We're, we're, we're made to live in the womb at least until about 22 to 24 weeks. But if you start to labor after 22 to 24 weeks and you want to try to stop labor and stay pregnant, it is in your absolute best interest to get immediate attention from a medically trained midwife or physician. So don't use Dr. Google. Don't by any means use this podcast. Go and see someone who's actually, um, you know, in the business of um, keeping mothers pregnant at that point in the pregnancy. Our stories as women are so important. We need to tell them. So like Laura said, this is about physical. This is, this is a physical thing that happens. But what we're talking about is the emotional and spiritual deep, deep, deep effects of that. Yes, definitely. And, um, this just came to me because you did ask uh, what advice I had. And if I could add to that um, is uh, don't, don't be afraid to share your story. Don't be afraid to, um, to try again, because I think a lot of, a lot of women, you know, will experience uh, loss of a child and then, feel ashamed or shy or not be, you know, not want to share it. And I think it's really important for us to share because the more that we share, the more that we realize that we're not alone. Um, and so many, there's a lot of people who go through it, a lot of women and a lot of families who uh, have had the experience. And once we start sharing, we start realizing that we're not alone. So that's, that's another piece of advice is that you're not alone and uh not to be afraid to share your story and not to let that that one experience um keep you in fear of you know not moving forward or trying again for another child because it doesn't mean that it happened x amount of times that you know that it'll continue to happen and shame is such a dangerous thing for women because we feel ashamed of something our bodies have done and then we keep it to ourselves, and then we just live in a cocoon of shame. Totally agree. 
So the more we share stories, the more we reach out, the more we listen to people's stories without judgment, the more we can chip away at that huge kind of brick wall of shame that is keeping us apart. So I want to thank you so much for sharing your family story with us. And um, I'm sure I'm going to get responses. People might want to reach out to you. Um, let's build a wall of, uh, of stories. That sounds amazing. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. Um, it's, it's been empowering, you know, to share Silvano's story and to share our story and, uh, I'm just honored, you know, that for the invite to be on this podcast. Well, I'm happy you came. Thank you so much. Thank you for, you know, your your guidance and your support from the beginning, because uh, I, I wouldn't be um, where I am today without without meeting you back in December. So thank you for being you. <laughs> Well, thanks for the compliment. 